lot to do. So, uh, happy Labor Day weekend. Um, given uh, Labor Day, uh, as I saw it, there were two ways that we could go with this talk. Um, we could either talk about our, our work, our labor, or, or we could talk about pregnant women going into labor, right? Or, right? And since I know a thing or two about one and absolutely nothing about the other, I think the choice is pretty clear. So let's go. Ladies, when you're pregnant and in the ninth month and your contractions get regular, and you're amazed that I could do that with my stomach, right? What? All right, stop. You can only do that if you're really ripped. I know you were thinking fat, but it's, it's ripped. We're going to talk about work. It's Labor Day. We're going to talk about our work. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, please open them to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, if you would like to use a Bible, you don't have one with you, make sure we're not making this stuff up. Uh, check under one of the seats in front of you for a brown hardback Bible. You're on page 1131 if you'd like to use that. If you have your smartphone or uh, a tablet with a free Version Bible app on it, please boot that up and quiet it down. We have a live event all ready for you to go. And while you get there, at most churches, at many churches, when you would hear uh, a message about work, it might be reasonable to think, what does this preacher man know about working? He just hang around church all day long, doesn't know what I'm going through. That might fly at most churches, but not this one. Not this one. You and I are in the same boat because um, I work. I work outside of the church. In fact, my full-time job is at Western with the uh, Western Foundation. And so we have many of the same pressures and things uh, I report to a large board of business leaders who come from around the country and who don't always agree with one another. Um, it's like having a boss with a split personality. 25 of them, right? Um, so that's interesting. And, and Pam can tell you that, that uh, my staff and, and myself, we, we have to raise $80,000 a week to every week to, to, to just meet our goals. So there's pressure. So I, I want you to know, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm not bragging, I'm, what I'm saying is that when we talk about work, it's, it's not a church or non-church concept. It's, it's everything, right? And so this stuff has to work for me, has to work for me. So I'm desperate for this. If you're desperate for this, great. Um, this is the final week of our Don't Miss Out series. Um, and so I would ask, do you see yourself at... Do you see your work as something that you have to do in order to get to enjoy life the rest of the time when you're off work? Or, or maybe you enjoy your work, right? I've heard that that's possible. I've heard that that's possible. So maybe if that's you, you just enjoy your work. You want to take it to another level. This can do that. And here's the great thing. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if your work is on a computer or on a ladder. It do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have a part-time job that you're trying to keep 
going with school to make ends meet. It doesn't matter. You might have a career. You might be a student. That might be your job at this chapter of your life, in high school or in, or in university. You, you might be a student athlete. That's a job in and of itself. Or you might be a full-time parent, right? That's a job. You might be a single mom who is working and homing and loving, and, and that's a job. That's a job. But whatever your job is, I want you to put this in that context. If your job is school, then it's school. If it's sports, then it's sports. If it's whatever. So um, even if, and we've got some friends here who are retired, right? If you're retired or you're fantasizing about retirement, we are going to get to you in a big way. And it's going to be a shocker. And I think you're going to, well, I think you're going to like it. I don't know if I'd say that yet, but hang with us and you can check it out. So um, uh, if you were not with us last week I would, uh, or two weeks ago, last time I was here, by the way, thank you for giving me uh, a week to, to go to New Hampshire. We had a, a great time with our boy. And um, anyway, here is a lightning fast recap of uh, when God shows up at your work week one. So um, let's do the announcement. Like, you got to say what we're doing, right? Tom, you forgot about that. Here's what we're doing. I would wish you would say this with me like it was your job to do it. Okay, ready? Now on God showing up at work, part two. Okay, yeah, well, for those of you who are international, we like to be interesting. Okay, uh, lightning fast recap of uh, work one. So we talked about two weeks ago that work is not working for a lot of us, right? That um, we seem to be needing to find more purpose. We don't feel used all the time. We don't feel like it's meaningful. We're trading our time for money. And, and we looked at the key to freeing our work, to redeeming our work, to exchanging our work from the burden uh, and the brokenness that sin has made it into the beautiful blessing that God wants it to be. And, and the key there was not in changing our job. The key was in changing our what? Our boss. Our boss. Good. None, none of you. None of you. Good. Uh, that's, a, that's effective teaching, you know. It just sticks like glue, baby. Okay, so if you weren't here with us, uh, and even if you were here with us, you're going to want to go back and, and check out the podcast. The, the key is not in changing our job. The key is changing our boss. That if we could work for Jesus, then everything, everything changes. And it changes for the better in a redemptive way. And we had this prayer. This is going to come as a shock to you too. It's all going to be coming back. Here's the prayer. Here's the prayer we said. I want to ask you to say it. Uh, Jesus, in all I do, let me work for you. Now this will work, this, this prayer will work this week too. It does not have a shelf life. So here's what we're doing. We're building on, on that strong foundation that we laid two weeks ago. Okay, here we go. Um, if you're not uh, a Jesus follower, by golly, you are so welcome here. And there will be some content here that you could apply. You could apply. It's just good advice from, uh, from Scripture. So regardless of what you believe, I would, I would say this. I would say this, that whether you're a Jesus follower or you believe something else, um, we have trouble connecting everything in our lives 
to what we really believe, right? There's disconnect there. So I would encourage you to think about that as we go through. Um, If you're in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 22, and we're going to go through 4.1. Let's read it first, and then we'll unpack it and see what that has to say about doing work differently. Uh, First, it starts off with slaves, and I want to address that word right away. Um, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this, not advocating slavery. This is actually the word is bondservants. So anybody, this applies to anybody who works for or reports to anybody else. Okay, so slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves, treat your workers, your employees justly and fairly knowing that you have, you also have a master in heaven, in heaven. Okay, so, um, Let's go back to the beginning, uh, verse 22. Uh, Slaves, obey in everything, or uh, employees, in everything. Those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. This is with all your heart. You're going to do that um, as for the Lord and not for men. So um, let's pause there, and I'm going to say wherever you work, right, be that office, home, school, um, athletic field, you know, whatever that is. It has a culture. It has a culture, a vibe, right? Some of it might be a positive vibe. Some of it might be negative. It might be backbiting, competitive, whatever it is, right? It has a vibe. And all the time, all the time when um, God calls us, right, into, um, into life, right? He's saying, go in and change the culture. It's about changing the culture, changing the vibe, in this case, of your workplace. In your work, the gospel always invites us, and this is kind of a mindset that, that we need to always have. It always invites us into a new reality, a new culture, not manage the old thing, not manage the old life better, okay? This is where a lot of believers, a lot of church people really trip up. I got to do my old life better. No, it's calling us into a new way of doing things. This new creation, this new kingdom of God, this is what, this is what uh, it's calling us into. New kingdom reality. That means that everything changes for the better. When you go to work, when you go to work, it's to change the culture of that work into the beautiful culture of the kingdom of God. And we're going to take a look at what we're going to do, uh, what God is calling us to do, to do that, okay? Now, when Jesus talks about going in and, and infecting in the most beautiful sense, talking about changing culture, he is very fond of using this one particular word. And it's a word that you and I are going to have to remember today and, 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 and next week if I refer to it. Here it is. Shine. Will you say that with me? shine. Yeah. See, because before it was change your boss, that was three words. That was hard. This is easy. Shine, shine. So he will say this again and again, shine. That is what Jesus is about. And one word you need to remember, that's what Jesus is talking about when, uh, in the sermon on the Mount, right? 
in um, Matthew chapter uh, 5 in verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why does Jesus want you to shine at work? Because in many workplaces, offices, job sites, teams, classrooms, homes, there is a culture of loneliness and isolation. There's a a lack of relationship and intimacy. There's strained and broken relationships. It's tension. uh, It's boredom. It's emptiness. It's isolation. It's uselessness. It feels useless. And that's why we need to shine. We need to shine. So what happens when we shine? When you shine, when you go into work and you shine the light of the joy of Christ, you bring light where there was no light. You bring joy where there is no joy. You bring love where love is sorely needed. You bring hope where there is no hope. And that is why we need to shine. You shine. Um, Look at it. You can go to work and you shine at your office. You can go to work and shine in your home. You can shine at your part-time job. You can shine in the classroom. You can shine on the athletic field. If you do work where you are in custodial work or you clean things, you can shine when you shine. Are you tracking with me? That's exciting. Wax on, shine on. You know what I'm saying? You can shine. But shining, look at this. Look, look, look at this. Here's what shining is not about. Shining, no, go back. I would tell no, to the scripture, Matthew 5. There you go. I'm happy. That's a happy face. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works, right? Sounds like it's all about you, but it ain't. And give glory to your father, right? Shining is not about you. It is not about me. It is not about look at me. It is not about give me props. Who is Jesus say gets the props? Who gets the attention when you shine? Your father in heaven, right? When people see you shine, when people see you share love and joy and hope and peace and grace through your work, that all, that all should point to God. That's what our shining is all about. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul reminded the church in Philippi, the Philippian church, about this exact thing. Um, there you go. When he wrote this, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Don't be a complainer. Don't be a whiner. Don't be a negative person, right? Do all things. Like, there's got to be joy in your life at work. You're going to be happy. Now, I work with some people who are here today. So they're going to have to hold me to this, right? When people see you at work, they should not run the other way. They should not pretend that they're on the phone. They should not hide in the bathroom stall with their feet up. They should want to see you. They should want to engage with you. Why? Because you're shining. You're bringing light and joy and hope and life and grace into the workplace, man. You are life. Do everything without grumbling or disputing. (coughs) He goes in. On, rather. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation 
that means a dysfunctional workplace too, right? Among whom you... Who said it that way? God bless you, man. You shine as lights in the world. We got one person who's going to shine Tuesday morning. Yeah. Lindsay's dad. That's cool. Holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. Who are we talking about here? Who's the word of life? Yes, always guess Jesus. You get that right. That's right. So we're shining because we're holding fast to Jesus. And what does that look like? What does that look like in work? That's what we're going to talk about the rest of our time together this morning. What does that look like? One, it is going to look, you shining as you holding on to the word of life. You shining when you go to work. It's going to look like excellence. It's going to look like excellence. How do we know this? Colossians 3.23. Let's go back there. Whatever you do, work heartily with all your heart, with all your might, as if you're working for the Lord and not for that boss that you can't stand. Or those customers that may not appreciate. Or those people that stress you. You work for God. You work for God. Work heartily. Do it with excellence. That's what it means. Everything that you do. This workout. This test. This thing. Do it to please him. To bring him joy. To, to give him joy and glory. You're not going to phone it in. Right? You're not going to phone it in. You're not going to... Just go through the motions while you count down the minutes until you get done with this mundane thing, right? You're not going to do that. You're going to give it your all. You're going to give it all you got. You're going to leave it all out on the field, which is a weird thing for a guy they would never let on a field. You know, even with this team softball, I'm the coach. I don't get to play, right? Because I'm a spaz. But you leave it, I know what this expression means. You leave it out on the field. You play so hard, you work so hard that they have to scrape you up and carry you off because you just left it. Do that. Work like somebody who is possessed in the best sense, right? Because if, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are possessed by him. Your work screens who you think God is. So work for excellence. Work for excellence in all that you do. And do that for God. And, and it can transform the ordinary into the extraordinary. Um, I'm, now I'm pausing because there's a story that I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it would be edifying for me to tell you. So um, come <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Okay. 24. Knowing that from the Lord. See, that's a blessing. Uh, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. See, how many of you like to do the payback? Yeah, just me. Just me. Okay. He's saying, I'm going to wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. So what's the practical application here? Um, and, and you don't have to be a, a Jesus follower to, to know this. If you're going to shine, right, at work, you're not only going to shine for excellence, but you're not going to get hung up on position and power and pay scale and seniority and who's above me and who's paid their dues and who hasn't and being an upperclassman or being... Uh, 
on the starting team or not, that is not going to hang you up. That's what this, this is an application here. Look, um, those of you who know my boy, uh, our son Tommy, who we just visited, um, he played college football, was blessed to do that, um, had some great friends who played with him. He was blessed to uh, be able to start as a sophomore, um, which it, this is a competitive program. So, so that was a great thing. His roommate also got to start, and they were O-linemen, right? And they were, you know, sophomore year. They're starting together. They're staying healthy. Junior year, starting together. They are looking forward to senior year, right? Except somebody comes in in his roommate's position who is really, really special athlete. He's a sophomore, replaces his roommate on the starting line. Now, um, this kid that, that I just adore, adore, um, he let this do good things to him. He, he let this motivate him in the gym and during practice. And, and what he could have done, what he could have done is take this upstart sophomore and, and, and put, put him in his crosshairs, right? Made him his enemy, made him his problem. He did the exact opposite. He adopted this kid. He coached up this kid. He encouraged him. He prayed over him. He, he, caught, he, he, he gave him tips and, and pointers. He became his biggest fan, even as he let his excellence motivate him to do better. He did that. And on a crucial game where he was not starting, and it was muddy, and, and we were there in Chicago. They took a timeout, and the coach ran out on the field to talk to the starters who were there. And this kid, this senior, runs out to this other player and kneels down behind him and picks up his cleats and with a tongue depressor scrapes the mud from the cleats of the sophomore who is where he swore he should be. That is shining. That is going to be applauded in eternity. Starting as a senior, yeah, that's great. But the only people who are cheering about that the next year are you when you're telling Glory Day stories. Heaven is celebrating Connor Bourne. Because in that moment and through that season, he shined for Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't do it with excellence. It just means you don't define success as being successful in the world's eyes. You define success as knowing God has your back. And he takes care of who gets the title. And he takes care of who gets the promotion. And he takes care about whether or not you get the raise. And guess what? The game ain't over right now. You and I have to decide in every area of our life, do you want payback now or do you want it later? And in the words of Andy Stanley, later is longer. Later is much longer. It lasts 
So here's the big question for you and for me, whether we're talking about sports, whether we're talking about academics, whether we're talking about our money, whether we're talking about sex, whether we're talking about anything, would you rather be rewarded now or later? This doesn't sound like a big question to some of you. This is, if you get this right, it will lead you into such blessing. If you get this wrong, You'll be in a world of hurt in so many areas of your life. Would you rather be rewarded now? Are you going to do those things that only have reward now or later and longer? That's going to determine for many of us the direction of our life. And if we want to shine for Jesus, if we want to change the culture of our workplace, if we want to do excellence and we don't want to get hung up on the, on the symbols of the status rather than the substance, then we're going to choose to be rewarded later. And the joy and the peace that comes with that is a huge reward right now, right now. Okay, um, we got to move on. How, uh, let's, let's do 4-1 then. Um, masters, okay, treat your slaves. Bosses, treat your employees justly and fairly, knowing you also have a master in heaven. Right? So here it is. Um, how do we shine? How do we shine as bosses? Well, sorry, I'm not a boss. Uh, do you have somebody who looks up to you? Uh, do you have seniority over somebody? Are you not a freshman at Western? Uh, do you have somebody on your hall? Do you, right? So um, if you're a full-time parent, your, your kids um, look up to you. How do we do that? If you are over people, um, the way that you treat those people under you is hugely important to God. It has, the gospel has huge implications about how you and I treat people who are of lower status, uh, hierarchical in, in work. I'm not talking about uh, their importance or their value, right? I'm just talking about in the, in the job uh, title uh, area. How do you treat them that is of enormous importance to God because as a supervisor, as, as a, a boss of sorts, the way you treat them is reflective of what you believe God is like, what you believe God is like. Because for so many of us, um, we like the power, right? We like the control. We like, finally, like nobody's going to tell me what to do. Like that's, that's half of the people who say, I want to start my own business. Why? Because I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I want to say to the world, you're not the boss of me. Right? Because we think that's like, that's great. If you are in a position of responsibility with people looking up to, reporting up to you, then here's how you get to do it in Christ, right? Just because you're a boss doesn't mean you get to be bossy. Bossy, right? Um, Here's how Jesus leads. Uh, it's pretty radical. And, and a lot of people have made a lot of money like co-opting co this um, under different guys. But here it is. Jesus came up with it. Uh, Matthew 20, starting in verse 25. Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, how this works in uh, cultures where I am not exalted, where God is not valued and followed, Right? Lord it over them, like power play, right? And their great ones exercise authority over them. You're under my thumb, right? Say this next sentence with me. It shall not be so among you. 
This doesn't fly in my camp. This doesn't fly in my family, Jesus said. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you, whoever would be boss among you, whoever would be supervisor among you, whoever would be captain among you must be your slave. Even as I, Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Look, Look, Jesus, the boss of the universe, made himself lowly and came to save and rescue the lowest of the low, even me, even you. He's the boss of everything and everybody, whether they recognize him or not. And he's saying, you don't lord it over, you get up underneath and you lift up. That's called servant leadership servant leadership that's what it looks like that's saying good i put you in a position of responsibility great now i can use you show people what i'm like you love them you leverage your influence on their behalf because that's exactly what i did for you You're going to pour out your energy. You're going to pour out your encouragement, your counsel, your love and affection, your your charge, your, your instruction, all of that in a loving manner. You're going to do that just like I did it for you so that you can lift them up, so that you can be great by being a servant. The way up is down. He turns, that's not working the current culture better. It's entering into a new reality. And and some of us have tried to make church, try to make God, try to make Jesus work by helping me manage what is versus entering into what's real. What's real. That's what's offered to us. So uh, lastly, um, so we're going to shine in excellence. We're going to shine by not getting hung up on things. We're going to shine as supervisors, right? And so how do you shine in retirement? Well, I mean, what's, that all, what's, that, what's that all about? How are you going to shine in retirement, whether, you, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not? Um, this may shock you a little bit more than the ice bucket challenge. Um, um, many of us have believed the lie that not working is better than working. I'm not talking about punching a clock. I'm talking about being active and, and doing things. Um, uh, for you uh, who are younger, uh, the... One of the things that we think it would be the greatest thing of all would be to win the lottery, right? I mean, right? Um, uh, some of you. <clears throat> and what's the first thing um, that you say you would do if you won the big one, right? You would quit your, your job, right? Because if you have enough money, why would you not go on a lifelong vacation? Well, that's the same, that is the same logic, whether you have that or not that we look forward to in retirement, retirement. We want a long and uninterrupted vacation. And I get this. I get this. In fact, I get this more than you would think because when we were younger, um, when I was around 25, I started saying to my wife and family and anybody who would listen, I'm going to retire when I'm 40. I'm going to retire when I am 40. Now, now, there was a problem here. Um, The problem was... I didn't exactly have any inkling as to how that was going to happen. I just had that as a goal. Just it was kind of out there. Um, and needless to say, that ship has sailed. 
I missed that by a couple or nine years. Um, so it, it obviously has not happened. Um, now the problem is this. The problem, well, is not that I missed that goal. The problem is that I actually thought that the goal of retiring by 40 was a goal worth having. That's, that's the problem. And I thought that retirement was the ultimate finish line. And some of you are either nearing it or there. And I have great respect for you. And, and I'm not, you know, no, no offense to you. But, but I hear, I've worked all my life for this moment. I've worked all my life for this moment, for this time of leisure in my life. Okay, okay. But that is only valid if you're living for yourself. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with retirement. Gear down. But, but this is the time when you have more flexibility more time, more wisdom, more experience than any time other in, in, in your life. And, and God has given it to you. And if your boss is Jesus, then even though you're retired, you still have the same boss. So this is the time to say, yes, I don't have the constraints of my job. Now I can get busy on my calling in a way that I never could. I never could. I am not saying, do not hear me saying that playing golf or doing your thing or whatever, or, or having a new, slower, more relaxed chapter of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want us to, to think about the fact that there's no context for this if we are so enamored with Christ who are always choosing. Man, I want to be rewarded later. I want to be rewarded later. So plan for retirement. Enjoy retirement. But just see the glory and the possibility of doing more for God. Um, he has not given us more years, more years so that we can just kick back and not care about the things that he cares about. I'm not saying stay employed. I'm not saying keep going 90 miles an hour. Absolutely gear down. Absolutely. Do you, your family needs you in ways that they never needed you before. Your wife your, or husband needs you. Your community, God's kingdom needs you more than ever. And that is why so many of our retired friends are unfulfilled and unhappy in retirement. Because for all of our lives, we built our identity. We built our, our, our purpose, our meaning on what we do and what we accomplish. And that has changed. That's changed. And God is calling us to make your identity and your meaning and your purpose in him. In him. You can do this. You can do this. Save up for retirement. Do that. Look forward to retirement. But retirement ultimately is when he takes you home. I mean, I just want to show you in Psalms. Uh, Psalm 92, 12. The righteous flourish like the palm tree. Flourish like the palm tree, not sit in a hammock under the palm tree all the time. Um, so, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish on the courts of our God. They still bear fruit 
in old age. And they are ever full of sap and green. You've heard of old faithful? This is old fruitful, right? So that's, that's, that's a challenge. That's a challenge for you. Look, regardless of whether you're starting work, um, dreading work, um, in the middle of work and you never know where it's going to end, at the end of your job, don't confuse your employment with your calling, with your mission. If you let Jesus show up at work, if you work for him, if you let him enliven your work, then Tuesday morning, you're not just going on your job. You're going on mission. You're going for your calling. And that doesn't stop when I stop punching the clock. It just doesn't. The glory's coming. The glory's coming. I just want to share one more scripture and then we'll close. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, as you shine, as you, your labor is not in vain. It counts. It counts. And God cares. And he wants to use you to change a culture with shining for excellence and not getting caught up. And as a boss and in your rest, let's pray. Lord, you are a worker and um, you work joyfully. And we ask that you would help us, Lord, change our hearts, the way that we look at work and employment and labor and toil. Lord, that you would redeem it in us, change it in us, and buy it back from the brokenness that sin has made it into the beauty that you created it to be. Lord, um, a lot of us at different stages, uh, but whatever that is, I ask that you would speak to our hearts uh, and show us what we need to confess before you. All of us need a change of heart as it regards you and the business of our lives. So we ask that you would do that, Lord, that we would um, see your gospel, see your sacrifice, that you left it all on the field. You left it all on the cross for us. Lord, that empowers us. We ask that we would be able to respond to you in that way. Um, now, still praying. There's, um, there are some here who know this Jesus thing. Um, you, you've not been really into it. Um, you would say you know about him, but you don't have a relationship with him. And, and this idea of shining um, is attractive to you, uh, as it's meant to be. But my friend, you, can, you and I can only shine with the light that is within us. And without Jesus Christ, he would say that the light in us is really darkness. But he is the light. He lights the sun and the stars. He is the source of light. He will indwell you so that you can shine for him, that he can shine through you. That has everything to do with you saying, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I believe you died for my darkness. Yes, I believe you took that upon yourself on the cross and offered me your light. I receive you.
as my Lord, as my Savior, come in so that I can have light and shine. In Jesus' name, amen.